Go to Exodus 10, please. We have a lot of journalers here. We have a lot of people who take notes. So there's just one or two things I'd love for you to take down. First is the, the question of the, the morning, how do you respond to light? How do you respond to light? Um, not on my notes. I was just sitting here, and I even thought to myself, Hunter, grab a pen and write it down. And I said, I better say it early because I'll forget later on. I was here singing that last song, and I'm not a very good singer at all, but that first row gives me a little bit more confidence that you guys don't see or hear me. And I was just singing and singing and singing, and I was overwhelmed, and the sermon and this thought kind of came over me. Isn't it wild that we could be in this building and one person be filled and sing and the other person just stare at the screen? Man, (laughs) how do you... How do you even wrap your mind around one person being overwhelmed and they're just singing, man, praise God, and the other person just staring at the the screen in blankness? How do you even make sense of that? How do you respond to light? And then the second thing I'd love to have you write is just the quote Not a hoof shall be left behind. This is the ninth plague, and we're going to read through three of them. Spend most of our time on the ninth one, the darkness. And we're going to get there. This this anti-Easter message, it's almost the opposite of what we go into next week. With so many similarities, but this starch difference, and we're going to see that quote from Moses, not a hoof shall be left behind. Will you write those two things down? And so remember how we got here, where we are now. We're going to finish up the plagues today, and then our Easter message, we are not going to deviate from Exodus, so all the visitors will come and they'll say, man, we're in Exodus at Easter, okay, and I'll explain it, and we're going to be at the Passover, which is Man, just flows the gospel, and it's going to be a wonderful time, I pray. But remember how we got here. We have the Nile. We have the frogs. We have the lice. We have the flies. We have the death of the livestock. We have the boils, the pain. And then last week, we have hail from the sky. And this morning, we're going to read of the locusts. We're going to pray. We're going to spend the high majority of our time on the darkness. And at the very end of our time, we're going to read of the death of the firstborn. And we're going to have a special prayer as a church for our Easter service. So look at God's word in Exodus 10, 1 through 20. Or 1 through, yes, 1 through 20. Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your son's son the mighty things I have done in Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. Hang on it. 
Do you remember last week? We're going to read it here in a second. But what does the Lord say? He says, this is my sermon. This is my message. And you know who it's for? It's for you, and it's for your son, and it's for your great-grandson. He goes, I am preaching here. Do you see it? This is not just about Pharaoh. This is not just about Moses. This is for all of us. This is God's word. Verse three, so Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, thus says the Lord God of Hebrews, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me or else if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory. I highlighted five, will you? And they shall cover the face of the earth so that no one will be able to even see the earth, that they shall eat the residue of what is left, which remains to you from the hail, that they shall eat every tree which grows for you out of the field. And so remember, if you were here last week, the hail came from the sky. It destroyed everything. And the locusts, I want you to imagine warfare, was like the ground troop, right? Like they bombed the land, and then they sent soldiers on the land to take care of anything that was not destroyed. Do you understand the picture? It said there were so many of them, you couldn't even tell that it was the earth. That's where they are. That they shall fill your house and the house of your servants and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither your fathers nor your father's fathers has ever seen. Since the day they were on the earth to this day, and he turned and he went out from Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh's servant said to him, I highlighted this one. Then Pharaoh's servant said to him, how long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet know that the Egyptian, Egypt is destroyed? So now the people are looking. It's like the children are looking at mom and dad. We're called to respect and honor authority, right? Man, we're eight plagues in, and now the children are looking at the parents and going, what are you doing? We've lost. It's over. This is not working. I've lost it all. Let these people go. Remember that thought. We're going to come back to it later on. So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go, serve the Lord your God, who are the ones that are going. And Moses said, We will go with our, old, our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds. We will go... For we must hold a feast to the Lord. Highlight 10. Then he said to them, The Lord had better be with you when I let you go, and your little ones also. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. Not so. And so what do we see? Uh, the Pharaoh goes, Hey, you know what? You can leave. Get out of here. But understand, it's not going to be good when you do. So kind of like in a relationship, when you know you need to end it, and maybe you're in an abusive relationship in some way, form, or fashion. And the person that you're leaving goes, you know what? I want you to know you can leave me, but you're not going to find any better. You don't understand what loneliness looks like or how good you have it. That's what Pharaoh says to these people. Get out of here, but God better be with you. Because you think that you're going into better. You're going to see how good you had it. That's what Pharaoh says to the people. He says, not so. Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord, for that is what you desired. 
and they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Verse 12, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, all that the hail has left over. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt and the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts and the locusts went up all over the land of Egypt and rested on his territory and they were very severe. Previously, there had not been such locusts as they, nor shall there be such after them. For they covered the face of the entire earth so that the land was darkened. And they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. So there remained nothing green on the trees or the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin. Remember last week? Please forgive my sin. What, church? Only this once. I've really messed it up. This once. So I am not a sinner. I am not in need of salvation. I am not in of rescue but tell your God, my bad for this one. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. So he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord turned a very strong west wind and took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go. That is the eighth plague. Let's bow our heads and pray for our time. God, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for your son. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your community of believers. As a pastor, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a man, I am grateful and unworthy. Lord, I thank you for this space that you have given us. Lord, I pray that your word is proclaimed, that Jesus shines, that we leave closer and stronger, fulfilled more than when we came in. Lord, I pray that you remove all agendas and all thoughts and all opinions and you speak through the spirit that you have given me. Lord, I pray that you build this church up. You build this church up not only as we go into this phenomenal Easter season, but for the future, that we see salvation, that we see restoration, and we see growth. In your precious name, the church says, amen. Now look at Exodus 10, verse 21 through 23. Most of our time this morning is going to be spent on the ninth plague of darkness. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand towards heaven, that there may be a darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness which may even be felt. And I highlighted that one just because it stood out to me. He says, such a darkness that you could feel it. So Moses stretched out his hand towards heaven and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another. 
nor did anyone rise from his place for those three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. So remember where we are, Nile to darkness. The people are defeated. The people are tired. The people are confused. The people are poor. The people are hungry. The people are lonely. They are in pain from the boils. All of their spirituality has been crushed. And now the lights go out. Do not remove yourself from the moment. These people were on fumes. You ever been driving your car? My wife gets on to me about this. Sometimes when that light goes on that says I need gas, that's like a suggestion for me. And we'll go, we'll see how long we can go, right? And I've won some battles and lost them. You ever been driving with that red light on and you've been like, I'm surprised that I have not stopped yet, right? Man, they are on E. They are on E. They are defeated and tired and at each other's throats. They've turned on one another. Remember from Plague that I just read to you, even the kids are looking at the parents and like, stop and get gas. Why do you keep driving? And then all of a sudden, the lights go off for three days. And what it says for those three days, it says not only was it so dark, it was so dark, you could feel it. I thought about that for a minute. Like, can you even imagine what that would be like? Have you ever, like, woken up in the middle of the night and maybe you have a basement and you slept down there or maybe how your curtains are or, or a room? Have you ever been so dark that you couldn't see, like, in front of you? Have you ever been anywhere like that? Can you imagine the whole land being so dark, so dark you could not see the hand in front of your face, so dark you could physically feel it on fumes? Imagine that moment. Now understand two things. One, this was a physical darkness and a spiritual darkness. We're going to talk about both. Both are deadly. Not only was this terrifying, but it was also symbolic Because what is God doing in all of these plagues? He is punishing sin. He is punishing darkness in these people's hearts, but he's also crushing their gods that they worship with every single one of them. So with every plague, there's a corresponding false god. So it's kind of a double whammy. He's getting the people of Egypt and Pharaoh, and he's also kind of laughing and smashing the false gods that they worship. And so who is the god symbolically that the Lord is crushing? was really their biggest and baddest, the sun god of Egypt. The sun god of Egypt, and you might know the name, is literally named Amun-Ra, and is the sun god. In Pharaoh's temple, you can Google this and even see where it's still there. You can go see this today, this statement. It says, out of Amun-Ra's mouth, it says this, quote, still today, you can find it. I am the greatest of all gods in Egypt who came into being of myself and my will. I am one who creates all names, who holds time in the palm of my hand, who has no opponent. It says, quote, I molded the earth and all of its inhabitants. And then the lights go out. So the whole time, these people are weary and tired 
and broken and defeated, but I'm still hanging on to the sun. Like you haven't got in my biggest. You haven't got in my baddest. I'm on E, I'm on fuse, but my wheels are still going. And then the sun goes out. Can you imagine how terrifying and what a sermon that was when they saw this? Not only was God crushing Amun-Ra, this false god that was made believed, he was also crushing his son. Historically, during this time, the people of Egypt believed that whoever was Pharaoh, whoever walked the earth, whoever was in power as Pharaoh was the God, was the embodiment of Amun-Ra. And at that time, it was the Pharaoh that we read about with Moses. And so he was the son of God. And so this is really a double smack. We got the biggest and baddest God being Ra coming down, and then he also takes out the son who walks the earth. So I want you to remember, and I told you to think about it. Go to 9.16. Remember what the Lord is doing in all of this. Just look at the words in 9.16. Just a page away. Look at God's sermon to us. It says, but indeed for this purpose, I have raised you up. This is my sermon. This is my message. This is my purpose. Why? That I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. God's sermon in these plagues is to show us his power, his glory, his sovereignty, but then also to differentiate between what they saw as the Son of God and what we will see as the Son of God today. The people of Egypt were fooled and they were let down by their Son of God, the opposite of what we are going to in Easter. This is the opposite Easter story. We celebrate that our Son of God delivers. So I almost want you to see the correlating messages. During this time, that three days of darkness, hang with me, church, this is the gospel. The people of Egypt, when that sun came out, what did they look? Did they look to the sky or did they try to find Pharaoh, the son of God? Do something. You said you were meant to be worshiped. You said that you can deliver. You said that we were in good hands. The lights have gone out. I'm on fumes. I am defeated. Do something. And did he? But in Christ, in Christ, what did Jesus do in darkness? He swallowed it. And so what does Luke say? Luke say, as our Jesus hung on the cross as we embark on Easter, as our Savior hung on the cross, what came over the land? A great darkness. Physically and spiritually. Also, like the Exodus, like Egypt, was poured out by God. Same type of darkness, both in Exodus and in Luke. Darkness came over the land, and Jesus Christ went into darkness. But what is the difference between Jesus and Pharaoh? Pharaoh was helpless and went mad by the darkness. Jesus Christ swallowed it. Jesus delivers. Jesus rose with light. That is the difference between Pharaoh and Christ And that is the message that God is preaching. That's what he wants you and I to hear today. 
when the lights went off on the people of Egypt, when they saw that their heavenly God was out of commission, they looked at their earthly and he could not deliver. What do you and I hear? Is that our son of God who walked the earth? He does. That is the Easter message. Look at Exodus 10, 24. It says, Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. I'm going to read that again. Will you highlight it? So you and I have all seen these little negotiations by Pharaoh, and he's not stopping it. Look at what his plan is here. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. But only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. But Moses said, you must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also shall go with us. Highlight this one, guys. Not a hoof shall be left behind. That's good stuff. Not a hoof shall be left behind. For we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God, and even we do not know what we must do and serve the Lord until we arrive there. So if you've been with us here at the church, we've spent about a month and a half in all of the plagues, and Pharaoh has tried a lot of things to keep the people back. So he says, you can go, the frogs. You can go, and the people start to leave, but he sees that the Lord pulls back and he says, man, that was easier than I thought. And he pulls the people back to him. Fast forward, he says, you can go as long as you don't go too far. Fast forward, you can go. And I even admit that I am to blame to this, but he had his fingers crossed. The genuineness was remorseful, not repentant. Fast forward, you can go last week or this week. You can go, but it's not gonna be good for you. You can leave, I will let you take off, but understand, it's not gonna be kind for you. And what do we see in the ninth one? You can go, but leave some of your possessions behind so I feel better about you having to come back and get them one day, right? Like, I know that she's leaving me, but I'm gonna keep her stuff so she has to come back and get it, right? We see darkness in the heart of lostness. In 1 John, it says to disobey God in any way, is to walk in darkness. We see what darkness looks like in the heart of men who do not obey God in any way. In Ephesians, it says that the people are darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of the heart. If you are a note taker, write down the effects of darkness. This is what we see. Like, how does darkness change us and how will we respond to light? I want you to see in this ninth plague that Pharaoh knows who God is and he knows exactly what God wants. And this is what blows my mind. Pharaoh knows who he is, what he wants, and he's even willing to meet him halfway. I know you. I hear you, and I will even budge. If you give some, I'll give some, right? But what do we see in Scripture? When we don't give God everything, 
When we don't sacrifice to the Lord our full obedience, it's sinful. He wasn't willing to give God everything that God desired. He was always holding something back. He always had a plan B. He always had other intentions. And what does Moses say? Not a hoof shall be left behind. Not a hoof shall be left behind. I've had this overwhelming thought just on my heart. For the last year or so, as I get older, and it's just this thought and this feeling, like this, this life of faith. Y'all hear me out, please. This life of faith and obedience and, and ministry, like this is going to empty me. You ever thought that? I hope you have. I'm talking just thoughts. I'm not talking about in prayer. I'm just talking about taking a shower, brushing my teeth in the car to work. I've had this overwhelming feeling on my mind that like as I get older and I get older numerically towards, towards the end and, and I can see myself almost being an older man and I'm thinking to myself like this is gonna empty me. And here's the truth that scares me. Like it worries me. You know why? Because I love God. And I worship Jesus. And I love to study his word and teach it. And I desire heaven. But I kind of want to get there with a full cup of the world in my hand. You ever feel that? Kind of my cake and eat it too thought? Like the idea of like all the chips in and what that would mean for me scares me a little and I see it in my life. Because I want to be all in, but I kind of want a backup plan. I think a lot of us could relate to that. Man, I want to be here on Sunday, and I want to be a Christian, but I don't know if I'm willing to take all the animals out of Egypt. I don't know if I'm willing to go all in. Because what's that going to look like if my cup is completely empty? I kind of want to be in glory and have the blessings of Christ and the perfection of heaven with a full cup in my hand. And the thought of emptiness will scare us to death. But this is what I want you to notice. The evidence, hang with me, the evidence that Moses was a child of light was the fact that he was unwilling to compromise in the least bit. You hear me? How do we know Moses is a child of light? Because how tempting would it have been to be like, hey, listen, Pharaoh's trying. <laughs> he has a job to do. He said go. Just leave the camels back. How tempting would it have been like, hey, I don't know if we're going to get a better opportunity. And what did Moses say? I'm not leaving anything back. Because why? God said to bring everyone and everything. God called Moses and Aaron to empty the cup with the trust and faith that God would refill it. That there wouldn't be a command that wouldn't be kept, a duty refused, or a sin ever celebrated. Not a hoof shall be left. 
And here's what I want my encouragement to you guys to be. Because so many of you guys, I see faith and I see you moving and I know it's hard. It's hard to say no when you wanna say yes. It's hard to say yes when you should be saying, like, I know this. I know faith is hard. And you look at your cup of worldliness and it starts to go down and you see it being empty and it scares you. I understand that. But this is what I want you to see in Moses. Like three months into Exodus. And don't you see a different character from where we began? Like we spent a month just constantly hammering. Like Moses, what do you not get? Remember? Like Moses didn't want to leave home. Do you remember? He was arguing God, debating God. God almost took his life. Like he's like, God, I don't want to go. I got a good gig here. I got a job. My wife, my my in-laws, I'm trying. I'm an old man. Like he keeps arguing. He keeps arguing. He keeps arguing. We see unfaithfulness, right? Week in and week out. What do we see now? Like my man went from arguing with God to going toe-to-toe with the most powerful man to walk at this point. When you start being obedient and when you start being faithful and you start giving God what's in your cup, it snowballs in a miraculous way and you become stronger. And God increases your faith. Living in life changed Moses. It changed him, it grew him, it made it easier. But we also see the effects of darkness. I told you to write that statement down. We also see the effects of darkness. Look at 27 through 29. It says, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. Highlight 28 and 29 for me, please. Then Pharaoh said to him, get away from me. So darkness is breaking him. Then Pharaoh said to him, get away from me. I'm tired of the blood. I'm tired of the frogs. I'm tired of the flies. I'm tired of the hell. Like, get away. Take heed to yourself and see my face no more. For in the day you see my face, you shall die. So Moses said, you have spoken well. I will never see your face again. So once again, we see the effects of darkness. Living in darkness at times, depending on how you respond to light, light actually invokes anger. Pharaoh had seen enough. He said, get out of here. It is not worth it. Light angered him. And we see this all the time. We see this today in 2022. For those who are lost or even for those who are saved, but they are drowning in the sin and the decisions that they are making in their life, light actually provokes frustration and annoys them. Have you ever been there? There are people, as I talked about, some are singing and some are staring. There are people here that are like, man, I could not wait to get to church. And then there are some who are frustrated even being in this room. They're frustrated when their spouse says, hey, let's go to church. They're angry by it. Why? Because light has actually come forward in all of their darkness and they are frustrated by it. Light angers them. Light annoys them. Christian music, God's word, his church, fellowship. 
It actually angers us. We will all respond to light differently. We will all respond to light differently. Darkness destroyed the Egyptians. Darkness destroyed the Egyptians. And for you and I this morning, either we have lived in darkness or you are living in darkness now. And we have to ask the question, how will we respond to light? This is the only time I have you flip. I want you to go. We're almost done here. I want you to go to 1 John. How will you respond to light? Look at 1 John 1, 5 through 7. Only time I have you flip. How will you respond to light? First <clears throat> John 1, starting with verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we... If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie, and we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we have deceived ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. In salvation and also brokenness, Jesus chooses to step forward in our darkness. And the only way for you and I to leave darkness is to place our trust and faith in the light. Do you see that? If you are lost here today, and this is not the Jesus you know, if you have been playing church and you have not heard the gospel, you have not submitted your life, you have left cattle in Egypt, you are lost. Or you are saved and you are drowning in sin. Like you have walked back to darkness. What does the gospel say? If we place our faith and our trust in the light, he will remove us from the darkness. This morning, just a simple question, does the light anger you or call you? Which one? Does it offend you? Does it frustrate you? Does it annoy you? Does it ang- Are you put off by this? Or does it call you to something better? I want you to picture in your mind, I want you to picture in your mind Egypt for those three days. I want you to picture a darkness of almost blindness. Like you can only hear. And just think about what these people were hearing, all the screams, all the fear, all all the worry. You cannot see the hand in front of your face. You are tired. You are on fumes. You are broken. You are in pain. You are defeated. And now you are blind. And then a figure walks forward that you can see clear as day. You can't see your hand, but then a figure steps forward. Man, does that anger you or call you out of it? 
Think about if you were actually blind in darkness, how great seeing anything would be for you. Let alone a savior to take you out of it. And so, like I said, some of you guys here, you're saved. You know Jesus and you are looking forward to heaven, but you're drowning, you're treading water in sin. And it is affecting you and your family and your mind and your faith. And Jesus Christ still chooses to step forward in that darkness. Repent and trust and have faith in the light. And for some of you guys, you are hearing this for the first time. And you are not a child of God. I read a a sermon, an old Spurgeon sermon this week. And he was talking to a young woman, a 12, 13-year-old. He shared the gospel and he looked at the young girl and he said, sweetie, are, are you saved? Are you a born-again believer? And she said, no. And he said, well, when do you think you will be? And she says, I don't know. I'm just taking my time, right? He says, I understand that. Would it be safe to say that maybe in a year, Maybe in a year that you'll come to know the Lord and you'll take all of your cattle out of Egypt. You'll fall on your face and put your allegiance and your faith and your trust on Christ. Would a year be safe to say? And the girl looked at him after she just heard the message and she goes, well, you know, I'm hoping it didn't take a year. And he said, okay, I understand that. What about eight months? And she goes, that's still a long time. A lot could happen from today and eight months. I could die, something. I hope closer than eight months. He goes, what about six? That's half a year. What about one? Still 30 days. And the pastor looked at her and said, what about now? Would now you put your faith and your trust in the light? She fell to her face because she was tired of the darkness. If you are saved and you need light or you are lost and you need light, grab the hand of Jesus. Thank God for his grace. How will you respond to it? Will it take a year? Will it take eight months? Will it take six months? Or will it be this morning? Will you fall on your face and say, God, forgive me. Take me out of this darkness. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for today. Lord, At 40 years old, I've lived most of my life in darkness. And at times, even though I'm a child of light, I walk back to darkness. At times, I foolishly try to refill my cup of worldliness. I am in the front of the line of sinners, but I do not want to live in darkness. I don't want my family in darkness. I don't want my children in darkness. I want to see So, Lord, when you step forward, one, praise the name of Jesus for you choosing to do so. But when you stand forward in my darkness, do not let me be foolish enough to be annoyed by it. Do not let me be sinful enough to be angered by it. Let me fall on my face. Let me thank Jesus for the light. That my cup is empty, but I have faith that you're going to refill it. Let me keep my eyes on you. Not a hoof shall be left behind. Not one cattle. Not one horse. 
not one person, not one child, because anything left is still darkness. Help me not compromise my faith, my integrity, my character, or my trust in you. If someone is drowning in sin today, Lord, make it clear to them. If someone is lost today, make it clear to them. Save, we pray two things, save and restore. Save and restore. In your precious name, the church says in harmony, amen.